Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. So this week, the Olympics were supposed to start. Yeah, thanks for ruining that one too, COVID. People have been training their entire lives. They've been training for years for a few events or maybe even just for one event. And the the Olympics uh, give us the best athletes that our world has to offer. And each Olympic athlete knows something important. They know that extra weight slows them down. And so they're very particular about the clothing that they wear, about the shoes that they have, about the uh, apparel that they're going to have as they compete. And so they spend thousands of dollars to get the very best. For instance, for runners, one extra pound can cost you up to 1.4 seconds in a mile run. 1.4 seconds is the difference in you going home with a medal and you going home with nothing. So last week we began this series called Don't Give Up. And it's based from Hebrews chapter 12, really the first few verses. And on the backdrop of Hebrews 12, as the Hebrew writer describes the Christian life as a race, is the Olympics. You see, just several hundred years before the writing of the book of Hebrews, the Olympics began. And so the writer is drawing on these images that his original audience would have understood and that we certainly understand. And so runners in that time would train with extra weights. Swimmers would wear extra weights. Hurdlers would even wear extra weights in their training. And then right before the race, they would take off the weights and it would make them feel faster, lighter, able to throw farther. Even the runners were so dedicated that they would run nearly naked in the race. Yeah, thank goodness, times have changed. Well, our text for today comes back from Hebrews 12, the first verse. Last week, Andrew began this series talking about that first phrase of this cloud of witnesses that is surrounding us, and what does that mean? And if you haven't watched or listened to that, I hope you'll go check that out. But I want us to pay attention to a line that is found within this first verse that's so important for us. Let's read it together. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That phrase, let us throw off, it means to lay something aside and to push it beyond reach. It's kind of like when I go visit my parents at their house. In their living room on their coffee table is this little clear dish. And inside this dish are Starbursts. And I'm not really sure why they have a dish of Starburst on their coffee table because neither one of them really eats Starburst. But my favorite candy, definitely Starburst. And so when we go visit them, I'll sit down. And before I even realize that I've unpackaged a couple of Starbursts and have eaten them, and then I have to catch myself. I can't keep eating all these Starbursts. And so I'll maybe push the dish aside, put the lid back on it, try to get my mind off of it. And what I really need to do, because a few minutes later I find myself unpackaging a few more, is I need to take that dish and I need to move it somewhere else. I need to get it out of my reach. That's exactly what this phrase throw off means. It means to get it away. It's a direct charge for us to use our strength 
to do something, to use our physical, emotional, and volitional strength. And it also means that the responsibility is on us. That if you have felt the effects of something that is weighing you down, if you have felt the effects of something that is bringing damage to your life, then you have a responsibility to do something about it. It's something that needs to be thrown off and gotten rid of. So what's weighing you down that might cause you, according to the writer of Hebrews, to grow weary and to want to give up? Well, he gives us two categories of things that can wear us down. The first is everything that hinders. And the second is the sin that so easily entangles. I love how the New Living Translation uh, translates Hebrews 12 verse 1. It says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What do you need to get rid of today that is weighing you down, that is making you want to give up? What do you need to remove? What do you need to cast aside? What do you need to push beyond reach? According to the two categories given to us by the Hebrew writer, I want to help us to understand something that might be weighing you down. But I don't know exactly what it is that's weighing you down. You're going to have to look within your mind and within your heart to figure out what's weighing you down specifically. But here's two very common things that weigh us down. The first is anxiety. Robert Leahy said in his book, Anxiety Free, the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. Now, part of that is incredibly discouraging of how stressed out our kids are. There's another part that says our kids are really resilient. But one thing that we know is for sure, we are a stressed out people. Anxiety has so many different symptoms. It can raise your blood pressure. It can cause you to have breathing difficulties. It can give you chest pains and headaches. Uh, But there's also other emotional symptoms like you become really agitated. You can get angry. You find yourself feeling lonely, sad, or depressed. There's even other physical symptoms such as it could cause body odor, hair loss, or excessive armpit sweat. And so I hope you understand I'm not making light of anxiety because it's a very serious thing. And if you're battling some type of mental illness, I hope you will take the time to reach out and to get help. If you're battling anxiety, the thing is, is that the worst part of it is not just the physical and emotional symptoms. The worst part of it is that it's a weight that you cannot continue to carry on your own. That at some point, you're going to want to give up. And for many, they do. I believe that Peter gives us some advice in in a short little verse that's written in 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Here's what Peter writes. Cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. Now, I know that seems really simplistic, but just hear me out, okay? This is not one of those things that Peter writes and he just says, hey, if you're stressed, just cast all your burdens onto Jesus. That's not... There's more to it than that. you got to understand who Peter's writing to. He's writing what he tells us in the first verse of his letter. He's writing to a group of Christians who've been scattered. They've been kicked out of their homes. They've been fired from their jobs. They've had their houses burned down. They've had their best friends turn their backs on them. They've had people do hateful things to them. Why? Because they confess their belief in Jesus Christ. That's why. They're being persecuted and they're incredibly discouraged. And they're ready to walk away and they're ready to give up. And Peter says, just cast all your cares on Jesus. 
because he cares for you. Now, I, I get that part of that can seem at best really lame. You just want me to put all of my anxiety onto God? You just want me to let it go? No, that's not what he's saying. And I also realize that it could sound incredibly insensitive unless you believe the last line because he cares for you. So there's this interesting scene in the life of Jesus and his disciples that's recorded for us in Mark chapter 4 and other places where they get into this boat and they're sailing on the Sea of Galilee. And as they're out on the water, all of a sudden this storm overtakes them. And on this boat are professional fishermen. If you're ever on a boat with professional fishermen and you get into a storm, you should probably stay calm unless the professional fishermen begin to become stressed. And if they stress and they think that everybody's going to die, well, then it's time to overreact and definitely scream and lose your minds because you just might die. And in this moment, the professional fishermen are stressed out and they think they're going to die. And they're searching frantically around the boat. Where's Jesus? And they find Jesus asleep on the boat. And they go to him and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care about what's going on? Have you ever asked God that question? God, don't you care? Don't you care that I've lost my job? Don't you care that my spouse is sick? Don't you care that thousands are dying from a pandemic? God, don't you care? Many of us have asked God that question before. And the answer is yes. God does care. Yes, Jesus does care. But one thing that we need to be careful of is not determining how much God cares based on how hard it's raining. God cares for you. Jesus cares for you. And that's why what Peter writes to us is so profoundly important. He says, cast your cares on him. I think it's important to note that he doesn't say let it go because you know and I know that's impossible. To let your anxieties go is impossible. And anybody that tells you you just need to let it go, well, they're not giving you good advice because you can't let it go. You've never been able to let it go and you'll never be able to let it go. And Peter doesn't say let go of your cares. He says cast them. Now, If you've gone fishing, you've cast a fishing pole out into the water. You've cast the line. That's not what he's using here. That's not the way that he's using this term cast. It really means to transfer. If if you've got children, especially older children, maybe in college, you've probably gotten a text before. They said, hey, can you transfer me some money? I'm broke. And so you maybe opened your bank app on your phone and you picked a certain amount and you transferred it from your account to their account. That's the idea behind this word, cast your cares on him. Transfer your cares. It, it just means allow God to share in the burden of carrying this anxiety for you. Why? Because he cares for you. And what you believe about that line because he cares for you will absolutely determine whether or not you allow him to share in your burden. And so if you're worn down by anxiety, please, please, please allow God to share that weight. Allow him to carry that weight for you because he cares for you. And you weren't created to live with anxiety indefinitely. He would love to carry that weight for you. And I'll also say this. 
that this church family would love to walk with you through this time of anxiety, however we can help you. Now, the second category that the Hebrew writer gives us of a weight that's bearing us down, he just says, the sin that easily entangles you. Now, I'm just simply going to call this second category, that sin. What is that sin? Well, I don't know exactly what the sin is or that sin is for you, but it's probably whatever popped into your mind when you heard that phrase, that sin. Because we all have one, right? We all have something that is trying to entangle us and trip us up. It's probably that one thing that makes you uncomfortable when you hear a sermon about that sin. It's the one that makes you squirm and wiggle a little bit in your seat, or you become defensive when someone starts preaching or teaching on it. It's the one that you try to laugh off or act like everybody else struggles with, too. It's the one that you've possibly battled since you were a teenager. It's the one that nearly costs you everything. It's the one that you feverishly work to keep secret, including from God, if that were possible. And it's the one that you always convince yourself of that God will forgive you of. That sin is different for each one of us. But the results are the same. It entangles us. It trips us up. It's impossible to run when something is entangling your feet. And the writer of Hebrews makes it so clear that you can't run this race if you're constantly being tripped up by that sin. And not only will it entangle you, but it will destroy you. It will cost you everything and leave you with nothing. Now, King David understood something about that sin, about the destructive weight of sin. In Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4, here's what he writes. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. You see, the longer we try to keep our sin secret, the more it wears us down. The more it's just this heavy load that we carry everywhere on our shoulders. David understood this. King David understood this because he tried to keep a sin a secret for a while. And he just he's so clear. He just says, it wore me out. It left me with nothing. It will beat you down and it will make you want to give up on God. But listen to his words in verse 5. Then, then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will... Confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Are you tired of your sin? Are you tired of this weight that you've been carrying? Then turn it over to God. Confess it. Expose it. And allow God to remove it from your life. But He can't do anything with it until you're willing to confess it. Until you're willing to just simply own it and say, This is mine. And it's destroying me, and I need it gone. God, I need your help. Now, I'm going to make you a promise. And I'm going to ask my Regency family to back me up on this promise. That if you're battling some type of sin, secret or otherwise, and you're ready to confess it, I promise you this. If you confess that sin, this body of believers is going to walk with you. This body of believers is going to encourage you. 
that you're not going to find a group of people that's gossiping about you, that you're not going to find a group of people that's rejecting you, that you're going to find acceptance, love, grace, and mercy from this body of believers because that's exactly how your heavenly Father is going to react. That when you go to Him and you confess your sin, God doesn't say, oh my goodness, what were you thinking? That God says, thank you, my child, for finally acknowledging it. See, God knows all of our sin. God knows that sin that you've been battling for a long time. And He's just been waiting on you to confess it. And we will walk with you and we will pray with you and we will encourage you. And I'm not promising you that things are going to get easier by confessing it. Things might get really complicated, but I do promise you this, that the moment you confess it, this weight's just going to be lifted from your shoulders because it's been wearing you down for so long. And I promise you that you'll meet a God who forgives you and that you'll be embraced by a church filled with imperfect people who will walk with you every step of the way. So what extra weight are you carrying? What's weighing you down today? What's keeping you from running the race of the Christian life how God wants you to? What sin is entangling you today? If it's anxiety, transfer it over to God because He cares for you. If it's that sin, then confess it and expose it and allow the grace of God to work in your life. And I promise you this, if you'll do that, you won't give up. You'll run with more freedom, with more passion, and with more grace because you'll be free.